This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, complications. He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping can take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian vs. Economist, our final show for the year. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam and we're joined as always by my little older brother and real-life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, g'day, Adam. How are you going? Okay, I went to Melbourne over the weekend, had a great time, ate a lot actually. Anna and I went there and I think we just ate way too much. In fact, I ate so much I had to pay for excess baggage on the flight home just to get my guts on the plane. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but I did uh, I did get home only to discover that I now have COVID as well. Uh-huh. Um, so, Thomas, you'll have to provide all of the expert commentary today and analysis. Uh, I hope you're up for that. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you're gonna have to you're gonna have to bring bring it today. Yeah, right. Well, they're big clown shoes to fill, but <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best. It is our it is our final show for the year. I mentioned that it's our final show. Um, just want to thank everyone out there for tuning in throughout 2022. We will be back again in 2023, and we hope you'll join us again uh, for what should be another massive year in economics and finance and, and everything. But, but I did want to, I did want to get this out at the start and not, not leave it till the end. So I just want to say a big thank you to the equity mates crew, uh, Bryce, Alec, Darcy, Emily, Alf, Simon, and last, but certainly not least Sasha, who produces the show every week, genuinely couldn't do the show without the support of the whole equity mates media gang. Much appreciated. Uh, we hope that you guys out there enjoy the show and, we, and yeah, hopefully you support them as, and all the, the podcasts as well. But, Thomas, on with mm. the final show for the year uh, and a massive mm. show coming up. As we end the year, I thought it would be good to take stock, pun intended, of where we're at. We all enjoyed the housing trip. Now we're asking when will the come down end. We'll take a look at next year. We know we're going hunting. We're just not sure if it's for bulls or bears. But first, it wouldn't be CVE without diving into GDP one last time. Thomas, go deep, Padre. <laughs> what have you got? Uh, yeah. Uh, it's a bit like air here. I've <laughs> <laughs> got nothing. I no. built you up said you're going to have to do all the work this show. you yeah. got nothing. Uh, no, no it, was an, it was an interesting number, interesting number. We got 6.6% in the quarter, 5.9% year on year. 59 is big, but it sort of it's a, comes big after the, the lockdowns in quarter three 2021 mm. and that was a big negative. So sort of that bouncing back gives us that strong strong number for the annualised rate, uh, so the an, annual growth rate. So if you, if you take that 0.6% in the quarter and annualise that, you've got 2.4%. So that's the sort of the pace 
if you, you know, if we kept this up for the next three quarters, that's what we'd get. Mm. And that's, that's okay. That's right. not amazing, but it's okay. You know, all things considered. So is the, is the economy in good health? Can we say? Uh, for the moment, for the moment, mm. I think it's, it's doing, it's doing okay. It's doing pretty well. I mean, it's, it's just sort of the, the thing to watch here is that it's, it's largely driven by consumption. So that consumption, household consumption was up 1.1% in the quarter. Mm. If you take that away, you, there's almost nothing else going on. Everything else sort of cancels each other out and you've just sort of got flat growth. What's, hang on, what's, what do you mean household consumption? Just things we buy for our house? Uh, no, household. So consumption by households. Yeah, that's just any consumer spending in any right. retail, retail As setting. As opposed to? Business investment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Or exports, exports, imports. Right. So houses yeah. hadn't become sentient and started ordering things for themselves. It was just <laughs> people that live with them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> houses bought a lot of things for themselves this year. Yes. Yeah, so it's in, in, in household consumption, particularly mm. in services. So more than half of the growth in this quarter was from hospitality and transport. Right. So, yeah. Bouncing back in the mm. services sector. <laughs> Did some myself last weekend. Flew to Melbourne, stayed in a stayed in a hotel. Oh, it's worked yeah. out really well. <laughs> <laughs> so going forward, we know mm. that um, households are probably going to start raining spending in a bit. It's, it's interesting that it hasn't, it hasn't happened yet. So interest rates have, have gone up. Real disposable income is down. It's down 4.1% over the year now because mm. with inflation and wages not keeping pace with inflation and mortgage repayments going up. So that's going down. So they should have less money. So the savings ratio, we talked a bit a lot about this through COVID. So the savings ratio is now down, down to 7%. That got up to a peak of 22% in the third quarter of 2020. Right. Is that how much of your wage you're putting away for savings? Yeah. Is that, is that what it yeah. is? Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, that ballooned. And then, and then we started talking about the savings war chest that was going to mm. support consumption or investment uh, going forward. That's sort of now normalized. It hasn't been, it hasn't, we haven't seen a pay, we haven't seen a payback. So we haven't gone into negative saving because people have said, oh, I've saved too much now. Mm. They've just sort of gone back to saving what they used to save before the pandemic. Dare I say we might have sensationalized it a bit by calling it a war chest then if it's, if well, it's, it's lasted, what, a month and a half? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't imagine kings and queens of, <laughs> of ancient Europe with their war chest <laughs> filled with gold and silver expected it to last them a month and a half if they got like surrounded by an enemy. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> we are good people. We are fine for at least another month. No, I mean, but we've had, we've had 300, we've got, you know, we've got another rate high class week. We've had 300 basis points in eight months. Mm. Uh, mortgage payments are going up. So far, it hasn't hit consumption. Consumption is still driving the entire economy. Right. You know, bus- the business sentiment has turned down. There's, other, there's softer signs in the economy, but so mm. far consumption's holding up. And I think that's probably due to the war chest. Right. But that's, I think, must be starting to, we, we're starting to eat into that now. Mm. But yeah, but how, how long that lasts is, is, is hard to say. Mm. We're going to have to raid the swear jar once the war chest runs out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so any other, any other standouts? Uh, the other thing that jumped out for me is what happened with the, the net exports. And we, we covered this last week. We're talking about the price cap on gas and coal. Um, that got announced on Friday. So mm. they've now got a price cap come in of $12 a gigajoule for gas. 
compared to a, a futures price of about $30 now. And coal's capped at $125 a tonne mm. versus about 400 now. So that should have some impact. There's still a lot of detail to be worked out, but that, that, should, that should sort of be working. But what was interesting in the, in the GDP numbers is you, you get these export and import data. And what we've got is we've got a near record terms of trade. So the prices we're getting for our exports are the best they've ever been almost. Mm. We've got a $3.2 billion trade surplus. So we're exporting a lot more than we're importing. Right. But Australia's net primary income hit a record deficit of $33.2 billion. And what's happening is Australia's net foreign income outflow mm. has exploded to 5.6% of GDP. So the basic story here is that the mining companies are making a, a lot of money, mm. but they're largely foreign owned. So you look uh. at their, their share ownerships, it's like BlackRock and all these big foreign funds. And all that money's going back offshore. So right. even though we're trading, you know, exporting heaps, the mm. money we're making from that is just going offshore. And we've got a net foreign income outflow of 6% of GDP almost, which is massive. Wow. So even though we have these wartime profits mm. and the mining companies are making blood money hand over fist, we're, Australia doesn't benefit from that at all. It just goes to, to foreign shareholders. That's really, that's really disappointing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think it's, it's worth remembering. So, so the mining industry has, has said they're going to go really hard against this. They're going to run an ad campaign. Mm. So when you see ads on the TV talking about how it's going to put sponsorship of junior sport at risk, with mm. the price cap, just remember that all this blood money is just going overseas and Australia doesn't benefit from it. Unless it's the overseas conglomerates are also interested in our junior sport program. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Thomas, we're going to look at housing now and where's the housing market at right now as we, as we end the year? Yeah, it's still, well, it depends what you want to call it. It's still moderating, still mm. consolidating. It's another term for when you don't Losing. want to say prices are falling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Failing. So, yeah, no, down 1% in November is the latest, latest data we've seen. So mm. we're now down 7.6% in seven mm-hmm. months. And that's the fastest fall of that size on record. And we're getting close towards, I mean, the interesting thing about property is it doesn't, when it falls, it doesn't tend to fall that far. So in 82, 83, it fell 8.7%. So we're not far off that. Mm. The biggest fall on record was 2017 to 19, where it fell 10.7%. So we're getting close to those levels. Was that 82, was that around the same time we had runaway inflation as well? Was that, was mm, that also? There was a recession around. There was a recession. Right. Yeah, yeah. On the, yeah. On the back of high inflation in the 70s, but no. Right. The recession not, not we exactly had to have. There. Was that the one? No, no, again, but good. Just keep throwing, <laughs> throwing things you've heard on the news around. You'll land one of them. Uh, right, no, that was the, that was the nineties recession. Okay, so prices tend not to fall that far, having given up seven point six percent after mm. going up close, like around thirty percent. Mm. You know, so people saying, oh, it's the biggest one, it's the fastest fall on record. It's like, yeah, it's like barely a statistical noise. Mm. In the in the scheme of things, was it also the fastest rise on record when it like mm. earlier in the year, or was it last year when it, everything house prices went through the roof? Yeah, was that also I, one of the fastest rises? I'd have to get research onto that, but I research? think it's probably right. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Yeah, I think I think I think probably it's probably the case. Right. Yeah. So but, we're not in a, we're not in a bad place then, really. We're we're doing all right. 
No, unless you bought in 2021, Hmm. unless you stretch yourself to buy in 2021 um, and then, you know, your your prices have fallen and your mortgage repayments have exploded, Hmm. um, you're probably in negative equity. Because that's the double whammy in all this, right? Like the Hmm. interest rates are going up and house house valuations are falling. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're a bit stuck. Like you can't Hmm. sell... Without you know, losing a lot of your mm. yeah um, yeah you can't sell and it's, you you struggle to to make your payments yeah right. it's, it's a bit of a bind but it's but it's a relatively small proportion of the market mm. like the total housing stocks owned by people in negative equity now right so yeah there's a and are they going to keep going down priced or like that seems to be plateaued? yeah it seems to be the the general consensus you would expect so like i think i think we'll i, I would expect we'll we'll get past that 10 percent record in wow. 2019 and and we talk about like there's talk about the lag so the cba's chief executive matt common came out the other day and he said that so far cba has only passed on about half of the rate rises delivered by the rba between may and november really um and that, yeah and that by march 2023 only 70% of the increase will have passed through Oh. So, how yeah. does that work? Because I, I thought the banks were were all just pretty much passing it on straight away. Yeah, th- unless it was in like term deposit, in which case they were holding off like rates for a while. I don't know. I, I guess it's probably the mortgage mix, like the fixed versus variable story. Yeah, yeah, that that. But also, like, there's you know, CBA would have like a hundred different mortgage products, and right, yeah, maybe people move around between them and honeymoon rates and things like that. Yeah, I, I guess that's right. Uh, yeah, and yeah, but the fixed rate thing's a big story too. So I feel like yeah, I'm bringing so some that- expert analysis. Here. Yeah, you be careful. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Expert analysis slash anecdote. <laughs> Anecdotes and guesses. <laughs> About 35% of outstanding mortgage credit is on fixed term rates hmm. and about two-thirds of those are due to expire by the end of 2023. So right. still a lot of people who fix yeah. rates at super cheap rates who haven't seen that go up yet. Right, and when they do, sometimes I say I saw someone say that in September twenty twenty three, if you're coming off your fixed rates, then your mm. mortgage repayments are going to go up by seventy percent. Yeah, so big, big jump. So the real question, and we've got talking about thirty five percent of the mortgage market mm. going to be doing something like that. So the real question is, are are households prepared for that? Mm. The question is sort of like with, with the consumption story is are they cutting back spending now because they know they're going to, their repayments are going to go up mm. or are they just sort of ignoring it and just planning to deal with it when it comes, which would be interesting. And then and then if they do that, then they could potentially find themselves in trouble. You mm. know, be a 70% jump in your mortgage repayments, that's a big jump. On the plus side though, as they all hear the news and everyone's like, oh, shit, then the swear jar is going to go up. <laughs> 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 All right, hey, before we get to a break, I did get a couple of listener emails this week, Thomas. Oh, we did, sorry, not me. <laughs> I'm sure it was to both of us. In fact, this one in particular, I'm sure, was pretty much directly to you. Um, but Cameron, CVE at equitymates.com, who made us feel both good by saying g'day team. Uh, I have a question. Where does the extra money go that the RBA, the RBA charges lenders? Do they charge mm. lenders? What are they, what's their story? I uh, don't think they do charge lenders. Oh, there you go, Cameron. Um, Goes nowhere. Goes nowhere. Yeah, not, I'm not. Sh- no, I can't. I can't think of a context. The RBA makes money though, don't they? They they lend money to the banks, don't they? No, no, no. no they don't. They don't know. Well, I mean, they did. There was the term funding facility through COVID, where they were lending money at, right. at cheap rates. But that was a that was a particular 
that was a liquidity right measure wasn't that's not normal business practice okay no and they do but they do make money like they stable like, you know for example they stabilize the currency so mm. they buy when it gets too low and they sell when it gets too high so they're buying low selling high so they're making money there mm. yeah and then with the printing money and they buy bonds the bond you know through the money printing through covid so they would print the money just give themselves the money go buy bonds from the government the government would then pay them right. a dividend on the bonds pay them a return on the bonds and so oh, yeah. they were making money that way on the money. They were investing the money they just printed and making a return. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a sweet gig. Yeah, well, then it got better, right? So then because they're a, they're a government agency, yeah. any money they make just goes back to the government. Right. So oh. the government was paying them interest on the bonds. Yeah. The government, the RBA was taking that and then giving it back to the back to the government. Right. If you're looking for a good Christmas party this year, can I suggest the RBA Christmas party? <laughs> <laughs> One of the best government slush funds going around. All right, why don't we uh, take a break here, grab a quick word from this week's sponsor and be back with more Comedian versus Economist right after this. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome back to Comedian versus Economist. You can, of course, send us an email, cve at equitymates.com or get us on social media on Facebook and Instagram. I should call out too that it seems like a long time ago now, but we did do like a Economics 101 series for season one of Comedian versus Economist. So if you're new to the show, uh, if you haven't heard that, then uh, I'm sure there's some, some good learnings there. So maybe get your ears around that over the Christmas break. But Thomas, talking about next year and 2023, I get a bit confused because I hear lots of commentary. Some people say it's the end of the world. You should pull all your money out of your stocks because uh, there's a re- big recession's coming. Other people I hear saying, uh, look, now's the best time to to be buying and getting into the market and that kind of thing. So everyone can't be right. So I thought we'd just go through maybe some of the big the big themes, economic themes, and get your take on the bull and the bear case for 2023. So starting with inflation, mm. what's the bull case for inflation, first of all? The, yeah, so a reference point is what, like whether where the share market's going in 2023, mm. if, we, if we're bullish or bearish. And so in that with inflation, like I think the bullish case is that um, inflation tends to be a lagging indicator mm. and all of the sort of the the forward indicators we have of inflation seem to have peaked. So we talked a bit about that last week, like all the supply chain bottlenecks. We had the the bottle shop index that's <laughs> that's rolled over, yeah. and so that should that should see inflation start to to 
you know, ease off in the mm. near future. And so that would be your bullish case. That'd probably be my central guess as well. And with inflation easing off, that'll mean mm. interest rates will will flatten or maybe yeah. even drop. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, yeah, that should be right. That's mm. yeah, that's also tied into the bull the bull case. Right. Yeah. The bear, the bear case is that you know we we have had sort of like these sort of local peaks in inflation already this year with a few flavors where it felt like we were peaking and then it didn't turn out wages tend to uh, so prices tended to be stickier than we imagined mm. so that's that's sort of the bearish case is that it won't that it won't come back quickly or if it starts to eat it might peak but then hold at a higher than target for quite a while potentially through the full year right so that that, that would be your bear your bear case scenario what's the outlook for gdp I think the the bull case is that is, is the soft landing that mm. GDP slows, but you don't get a recession. We walk that narrow path, and and think the economy cools down and prices cool down, but we don't we don't tank GDP and things are okay. I heard it referred to as the Goldilocks scenario, which ah, is yes. not too yeah. hot, and not too cold. Like mm, it's just right. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know we needed another analogy for it. <laughs> I think soft landing was getting us by. Yeah, yeah. The narrow path of the, the soft narrow landing path is of the, the soft landing. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. leads to Goldilocks's house. Yeah. Um, well, there's three bears in there, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, on that in your market. So the the bear case on this on that uh, on growth is that mm. we we don't nail that soft landing right. and things tank. Particularly, like you look at Australia, like it's it's consumption driven. Consumer sentiment data is terrible right now. Like it's worse than it was when COVID first hit and we mm. were potentially looking at the end of the world. Consumers are more pessimistic now than they were then. Really? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty weird, which is because they're, they're, they're seeing rates go up, they're mm. feeling that pain directly and they don't like it. Right. But so far, even though, you know, rate pain is there and consumption sentiment has tanked, mm. we haven't seen falls in consumption yet even though consumption is the single driver of the economy right now. Yeah, right. That seems like quite a fragile scenario and could fall over pretty pretty easily. It's not hard to see that that story falling over. Yeah, um, right. And and we don't yeah, and we find ourselves in recession in and in a global recession as well, like a synchronized global recession. Yeah, that's bad. Have we had one of those before? It would be a while. Be a mm. while. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's one in COVID, obviously, but yeah, before yeah. that. But before, before that, that yeah. like that was kind of, well, kind of wasn't really a recession, was it, COVID? Like it was like a forced mm. shutdown of everything. It's kind of not. Yeah, yeah, sort of different story, mm. yeah. Mm. So you gave me the list. So you've got mm. monetary policy on the list. Uh, mm. I don't really even know what that question means. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. What are we talking about with monetary policy? Well, that, that's interest rates. Oh, okay. That's interest rates and, and yeah, quantitative teasing, <laughs> quantitative, quantitative tightening, quantitative easing. Right. Yeah. No, that's good. You've learned a lot this year. It's been, <laughs> <laughs> we only talk about interest rates every week. <laughs> yeah. So on, on the interest rate fronts, yeah, like the, the bull case is that inflation has peaked and uh, the central banks will pause mm. pretty quickly, you know, potentially. Uh, like I, I think there's a good chance that the RBA will pause in February when, when they meet next. Yeah. They'll, they'll be willing to sort of, you know, at least take a month off. And if some of the data softens, then that might be a, turn into a longer-term pause. Markets are still pricing in a higher terminal rate, but, it, you know, it's, it's possible. Mm. And then the uber-bullish case is that as 
that as the economy starts to soften, rate cuts start coming in mid-year. Right. That, that that would be the that's the uber bullish case. Um, but but there's enough the, the bull, it's enough to build a bullish case just on the idea that the that we've reached we're close to terminal and mm. um, there's no more rate hikes from here. How much of it will be like? How much in Australia will it be dictated by what happens in the rest of the world? Like, if America keeps keeps hiking rates and keeps you know inflation keeps going out of control and the same in Europe, then does Australia kind of naturally follow suit, or are we kind of we do our own thing? Uh, I think we we largely do our own thing, but it's definitely influenced by yeah by what's going on hmm. it depends on what's happening with the currency that's sort of where the big impact is felt so there's if you get create a large interest rate differential then if aussie debt's paying more than us debt or vice versa then people demand more aussie dollar dollars to buy those assets so hmm. it can influence the exchange rate right okay but that that could also be a good thing as well so yeah it's it's yeah we don't we don't just walk in lockstep but we are hmm. definitely influenced by what happens globally but yeah, just and just well, just on the bear case. Mm. The bear case is just the opposite that that we're not done. <laughs> that sounds like a cop out. Couldn't we just say that for every one of these? Why do yeah. we have to have a bull and a bear case? We could just go through the bull case, and at the end of the bull case, we say, "And the bear case is just the opposite of what we just yeah, said." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's there's nuance there that's there interesting. Is, yeah. No. Particularly, I mean, particularly in the US, because you know people have been interpreting Jerome Powell's comments as saying that the poor the pause is there, mm. and he's saying like. No, we're just going to like have less aggressive rate hikes, but there's still rate, more rate hikes to come. Yeah, particularly if inflation is sticky, then we could get mm. more out of the the central banks. Mm. That's, yeah, so that's your bear case. Yeah, yeah, on on valuations, sort of like as we as we go as the economy softens, that that impacts corporate earnings which then should theoretically influence the outlook for share prices. Hmm. So, the, so the question is, has, the, has the, the correction we've seen in share prices dealt with the correction that we're like the, the, the downgrading to the revenue outlook? And so earnings in, in America have been revised down by 5% already. And so the bull case is saying like, yep, yeah, those earnings have been revised down by 3%. The average drawdown in a, in a bear market outside of recessions is 27%. Mm. We've already seen that. Therefore, we're done. Uh, the market should turn from here and we, we should be okay. This is all assuming like the other bull case scenario is holding. There's no... Yeah, right more rate hikes and no and no recession. Mm. The bear case scenario is saying like, well, we haven't priced if if there is a recession, that hasn't been priced in yet. Bear markets when there is a recession, um, the average drawdown's forty eight percent in America. Wow. So there's quite a long way to go towards that. Um, and the stat I love, which I saw the other day, that in America, that none of the U.S. bear markets in the past hundred years have ended before the recession had begun. Let me just get my head around that for a second. <laughs> yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. Slow so, my brain down. So often, often share markets will lead. Bear, sorry, bear markets will lead in share. So share prices will fall ahead mm. of the fall in, ahead of the recession. Right. Because earnings start to fall, that starts to impact the outlook for shares and. So we get you get the bear market before you get the recession. Right. But in the past 100 years, when when you've had a major bear market, when there's been a associated with a recession, mm. the bear market has never ended before the recession had begun. Right. Which is sort of like so saying like the idea that that the bear market has ended now already really hinges on whether there's a recession next year or not. If there is, 
there's no historical precedent. If there's a recession next year, mm. there's no historical precedent for the bear market ending having ended already. I'm just a bit sick of being in uncharted water <laughs> for the last <laughs> couple of years. <laughs> like this just feels like, and maybe it's just because I'm learning about this stuff uh, or, or not learning as the case may be, but but sort of hearing about this stuff. But it feels like the last couple of years, we're hearing a lot of this has never happened before. <laughs> I'm just a bit exhausted by this has never happened before. It's partly because this has never happened before is a great rhetorical device in yeah. economics. Right. Like it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a neat way to make that point, for example, mm. that bear markets don't end before recessions start. Yeah, right. To say it's never happened before really brings home how statistically unusual it is. Mm. So we like that kind of rhetorical device in economics. What are the global risks we're talking about uh, next year? So that we've got the war in Ukraine, we've got mm. uh, what else? China's, uh, China's, China's coming out of lockdown. That's Yeah, so China's probably the big one. Like it's, it's, they've had their zero COVID policy. That's, mm. that's hurt the economy a lot more than that you know is obviously ideal for them and they're having some sort of stimulatory response now but it's nothing like what we've seen in the past out of china yeah so but the bull case is that the war in ukraine settles down energy prices return to normal Mm. china returns to growth relatively quickly the bear case is that none of those things happen um And think, yeah, things get a lot worse. There's there's a double-edged sword too in China, isn't there? So if China returns to full production, full growth or whatever, then they need a lot of resources to do that, which then brings about a lot of demand and competition in the market that Mm. hasn't been there for the last little while because of their COVID zero policy. Mm, mm. So as much as we kind of want China back up and running again, it also has its own ability to create problems, right? Yeah, yeah, that's potentially right. And and, and you can probably add a risk there around supply chain bottlenecks and mm. the deglobalization trend we've seen pre, uh, since COVID. Our supply chains are still getting their head around the new geopolitical order and Russia and China and the US becoming you know, less friendly, mm. that that's still creating a lot of changes and that has the potential to create more bottlenecks, which has the potential to create more inflation and and more drama. So, yeah, mm. that's that's definitely in the mix. That said, it's always easier to identify downside risks than upside risks. People are generally pessimistic about things. Yeah, why is that? <laughs> <laughs> okay, because, like, the for the economy to function as normal mm. requires a lot of things to go right. Mm. So if any one of those things fails, then you get a shock and things go bad. Right. To get a boost, it's sort of hard to see where that comes from. Like things don't tend to go particularly like extra well. Mm. That's, that's not really a thing. Like shocks happen like, you know, like COVID and then you get a massive monetary policy response and that yeah. creates a massive upside. That's, you know, no one saw that coming. That, that wasn't on the cards at all. It's not, like, it's not like inflation wins the lotto or something and everyone's yeah. like, wow, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's going to have a massive upside. All right, why don't we, uh, I think that does us for, for this week and for 2022, uh, thank you so much once again for tuning in. We really do appreciate it. Uh, we love getting all your emails and messages uh, and all the support. Yeah, as I say, we wouldn't be here without without your support and without the support of Equity Mates Media. So thanks to everyone who's uh, who's tuning in each and every week. Don't forget, if you're still looking for a stocking filler, uh, the Equity Mates Get Started Investing book is available online through Booktopia and all good bookstores. Thomas, maybe we can write a book next year. Mm-hmm. It's something to do. <laughs> yeah. Probably Picture won't. Book. All right. Yeah. Uh, that does us. Uh, thank you once again. Uh, we'll talk to you. Have a, have a very safe uh, and festive and enjoyable Christmas season. A happy New Year. And we will talk to you again in 2023. It's bye for now. 
You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.